If all my unsent letters to you were gathered, they could become a novel of the unspoken words that broke my heart. <laughs> Damn, bitch. <laughs> Welcome to the Queen Dome. Your host, Lauren Mortacini. Hello, all of my queens and kings, kings and queens, queen kings and king queens. Welcome back to Thy Queendom Come. I am your host, Lauren, and I am so excited to have you here for this very first episode since we switched to Royal Tuesdays. So from now on, our royal day of the week will be Tuesdays. We are figuring out something for Thursdays to make sure we still honor the sacredness of that day as well. So stay tuned. But as for today, you know, I started out this podcast as a way to really conquer my fear of being heard and seen as who I truly am. But it's turned out that this process has actually been a huge part of showing me who I really am and who I've been and who I want to be, who I say I want to be, and how do my actions, how does the way that I live align with that? And one of the things that has occurred to me recently, I talked about the Anthony Bourdain documentary on a couple episodes back, but one of the things I found so heartbreaking about his story and also something I related with so much was, you know, he was a communicator for a living, but he rarely communicated with the people around him, the people who meant the most in his life. And I can relate to that. And I've been kind of called out on it recently. <laughs> um, first from a very, very dear friend of mine, who if you have seen any of the photos on my Instagram or some of the stuff I've created videos, his name's Skip and he is one of my very, very dear friends and creative muse in a sense. We create together, we work together, we we think together. And throughout this process, he's learned a lot about me. And we've had just hundreds, thousands of conversations surrounding the things that I choose to say on this platform and the things that I choose not to. And multiple times he's said to me, Lauren, like the shit that you are willing to put out into the world and yet you still have so much more that you almost hide. You hide behind how open you are in some ways and that's kind of like a distraction from the well of shit that still exists within. So I started to think about, you know, what do I not say? What are the things that I don't say? And why don't I say them? And it's because I'm fucking afraid, obviously. I'm afraid of my own truths. I'm afraid of what my truths could mean, the consequences of my truths, the, the judgments. And so it's, it's like I've gotten on here on this microphone and I've said things that I've never even talked to the closest people in my life about. I've talked about experiences or things I've gone through or even 
difficult situations with certain people who I really haven't had the full extent of a conversation with them, if that makes sense. And so it's, it's interesting because it's like my truth, these things inside of me that I carry, they want to get out. They want to be out. And I feel that in creative expression, they, they do, they find their way out. But obviously, <laughs> practically, this could bite me in the ass, right? It did bite me in the ass. It bit me in the ass really fucking early on in this journey. And I've lost, at least for the moment, two of the most important people to me, two of the most profound relationships I've had in my life, simply because I I fucked up. <laughs> I fucked up big. And then I lied about it. And then other people got involved and other relationships were affected. And so I come on here and I'm going to tell you a story that is very present in my life right now and honestly doesn't make me look really good. And I don't necessarily want to dredge up old shit for anybody who is involved in this and maybe listening, who knows. I don't want to dredge up old feelings or apologize when it's not warranted. But these were extremely significant relationships in my life. And I want to be honest. I want to own up to my shit. And I'm actively fucking doing the work within myself to be better, <laughs> to be less of a piece of shit. And part of that is admitting where I was wrong and facing the music, you know? And also, like, I get on here and I talk about having hard conversations. I talk about following your desires and being authentic and being honest. And it's fucking important for me, just in my own integrity, to make sure that all of the sides of me, if I'm going to be here at all, I want to be here transparently and... I never want it to seem as if I have fucking anything figured out or together because I don't. So a few years ago, I moved to Korea, to Seoul, and I lived there for a little over a year working, teaching, and I fell in love with the man upstairs. <laughs> the man upstairs was... A co-worker. We taught together and then we also lived in the same building with other teachers as well. And we immediately became best friends. I mean, actual best friends. <laughs> like, did stupid shit together. He saw me at a time in my life. I don't know if I've ever been more of a shit show than in those first several months living in Korea. I lived in the party district. It was fucking nuts. I had 72-hour rules as far as guys I would hook up with. I mean, I was just an absolute train wreck. Having so much fun, but a train wreck. And in the midst of that, the man upstairs and I got to know each other as friends in this environment. We were together all the time and I just couldn't get enough of being around him. 
you know, we dated each other's friends. We slept with each other's friends. Um, I royally fucked over one of his friends that I had been sleeping with for a couple of weeks and I was a piece of shit to him. So the man upstairs and I, when I say we were best friends, it, it built, there was just this beautiful foundation of just accepting each other as we were in that moment. And it's interesting because we really didn't know much about each other prior to this life. Like we're here in Korea now and we knew each other. I felt like he knew me more than people who had known all the shit that I've gone through in life. And he just knew who I was in that moment. And he knew all the different sides and they were accepted. So we became extremely close. The first time I really was like, oh shit, do I have feelings for my best friend? Was a night in August. So it had been a couple months since we had been there, several months since we had been there. And again, shit just escalates. Shit goes fast when you're living abroad in a new place, when you're with the same people all the time and you're experiencing this new foreign land together. Like things move fast, you know? And it's as if you've known them your whole life. So one night in August, we had a five-day vacation coming up. He was going to stay in Seoul. I was going to go to this island. And we went out with a co-worker and did karaoke until 7.30 in the morning and then went back to his place, um, our place, but his upstairs. I lived in the dungeon downstairs in the basement, which was a literal dungeon, and he was on the third floor. We called it the penthouse. <laughs> so went up to the penthouse, and I was supposed to be catching a bus at 9.30 in the morning, but instead, I stayed because I just didn't want to leave him. And I was like, what's going on? And so on the bus that I eventually caught, I wrote in my journal. <laughs> and reading your journal is so, like, so, what is it? <laughs> like, I feel naked. I feel like the, the naked scene in Bring It On, you know, where she's just, like, in front of the crowd naked. Um, but I said, we laid in bed talking until around nine until I fell asleep when I was supposed to be getting my bus, but I just couldn't leave. I woke up around 1130 and I still couldn't leave, not because I wanted to sleep, but because I didn't want to leave him still. Oh, I forgot to mention before we fell asleep, he was facing me. We were laughing and our lips grazed. We didn't kiss, but our lips touched. And then we both somewhat pulled away. It was so romantic comedy-esque. <laughs> This whole situation is, isn't it? Anyways, back to 11.30. We were both awake. I know because he was rubbing my back, my arm, my stomach. At one point, my forehead was pressed against his cheek. He turned to me, fully held me. My body began to respond to his. My hips were subtly moving into him. My hands began to grip his back tighter. His body began to respond to mine. <laughs> I tried to act as though I didn't accidentally graze his boner with my arm. Uh, has anybody, can anybody relate to that, by the way? Um, still no kissing, just caressing, soft, gentle, genuine caressing. Every once in a while, he'd grab my hands and interlace his. It was this weird feeling of such beautiful comfort, but also a knowledge that we probably shouldn't allow ourselves to go any further. Around 1.15, I got up, kissed him on the cheek, and left. <laughs> so then... <laughs> Then I arrived, obviously, to the island, and I spent the next several days just in my head, like, no, wait, <laughs> you love this friendship 
why do what you do? Why ruin it? Because history shows I just can't fucking do it. I fuck up relationships when I pursue them romantically. And so, I mean, I was even, I never even told him this again with the things I don't say, but there is this song (laughs) that I discovered while I was sitting on the beach thinking and writing about this shit. It's called Steamroller by Phoebe Bridgers. (laughs) And I never shared this song with him, I don't believe, because of just how kind of ridiculously like sappy it is. (laughs) It's like super dramatic. But you know, I've always felt that the divine uses music to reach me at the most perfect time. And, you know, as I'm sitting there pondering this shit and writing about it, and then all of a sudden this song comes on and some of the lyrics are, um, we talk for hours until finally sleep takes over the amphetamine. In the darkness, I feel your fingers. They don't touch me, but there's a danger, which obviously like had reminded me of the night, (laughs) right? There's this danger. Um, You're a brother to me. Okay, that's part's a little weird. (laughs) He was not a brother. (laughs) But you're my partner in crime. You're the feeling I get when I'm feeling fine. Part of me wants you, but most of me needs you. So I won't fall unless you ask me. Yeah, like the the beginning of the song, I mean, it's called Steamroller. She mentions like, she want to lay down and get ran over essentially. (laughs) But you like make me happy. Um, And yeah, (laughs) I mean. This is how I felt. I was like, fuck, it's I'm falling in love with my best friend, but it's this person who fucking I hated teaching. I hated teaching. I, I didn't like my job. And if it weren't for our relationship and then our other friends and what I was feeling there, I mean, he was just he was a lifeline. I and I was falling for him, but I felt that I couldn't. I felt that I it was too dangerous. So <laughs> again, you know, me saying all this shit it like rehashes all these like crazy intense feelings and that's not necessarily the purpose here I just you know I've just I've fucked up a lot and I've hurt a lot of people and I've been an asshole and a piece of shit in a lot of ways and most of the time it's just whatever you know but in this case I mean I was so deeply in love long before I ever uttered it. And falling in love with this man was the most fun I'd ever had. It was the most beautiful adventure. It taught me about myself and friendship and love. When I got back from my trip, he had actually started kind of just randomly hanging out with this girl and it was fine. I was like, great, like separate, do not attach. And so for the next couple of months, it was this, this thing of, of when I would drink, I, my feelings would come out. If he was with a girl or if I was with a guy, I would just be like, this is stupid and never really communicated that to him. I definitely wrote about it and I talked to my girls about it, but, um, eventually, the feelings started to come out when I was sober as well. Um, one night in November, so flash forward to November, I 
I had decided that Operation Detach needed to go into effect, that I needed to detach myself from this man because I was, it was going to probably be catastrophic. And so like one night in November, I called a bumble date. (laughs) I had a bumble date and so did my girlfriend and we're going to call her T-Pain. She's like my Irish fiery, my other best friend, girlfriend, sister in Korea, who I will talk about very soon. T-Pain and I were going out. I called a bumble date and honestly, I just talked the entire time about my brewing feelings for the man upstairs. And my bumble date was like, why the fuck am I here? And I was like, I have no idea. And actually that night I had called the man upstairs and was like, come out, come out. And it was like a Sunday. He was like, no. And I said, I am coming to your room. I'm coming to your room. Nobody ever locks their doors in Korea. So I knew I'd be able to get in. And he was, he told me he was going to lock it. And I just did not believe him. And so I went home in a fit and was banging on his door and he didn't answer. (laughs) So I went down to my dungeon and I drunkenly called my best friend Seth and just absolute hysterics and just being like, I love my best friend. I don't know what to do. He locks me out. Like, da 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 da. So then the next day was like, okay, Lauren, get your shit together. Operation Detach is in full fucking swing. So I told him that T Pain and I had both come to see him and just totally push it under the rug. I think I did tell him the truth of that later on at some point in our relationship. But literally right after that, I started to see this this other guy um, who was a rapper in Korea. And I started to kind of see him as a poor guy. He like just got fucking wrapped up in my shit, but he's the tits. He's awesome. But he just, the timing. <laughs> like I started to see him and he was really cool, but it was honestly a lot of it was me kind of pushing off and dealing with my feelings for the man upstairs. And that ultimately ended in disaster too. When one night I got drunk and couldn't stop talking about the man upstairs with my other friend. And then the rapper was there. And then I started being an asshole to him for like literally no reason. And then I face planted on the concrete fucking twice. So that operation detach fucking failed essentially. But then I think it was actually literally the night after I face planted into the concrete. I was feeling real low on myself and the man upstairs and I decided to have a low key night and go out for dinner, which ended up us exploring our little city in a way that neither one of us had ever explored it. We ended up in these crazy little dive bars and listening to amazing music. And it was just literally everything I dreamed of. It was such a beautiful night and we went back to his place and we cuddled all night I got up in the morning and I worked on Saturdays at the time and went to work and then that night we we met up again and went out and it was just I was a hundred percent in that moment I was just a hundred percent laser focused on this man this has never happened has certainly and not in Korea but in a very long time have I felt just as if, yes, you are the fucking pinnacle of my adoration right now. I cannot deny these feelings anymore. This is what it is. And so that next Sunday is what him and I referred to as the sacred Sunday, the famous Sunday, the Sunday, 
because this Sunday we stayed in bed and we cuddled and we ordered takeout. We watched Austin Powers. We drank four and a half bottles of wine and did 90s power hour. Eventually we ended up fucking naked jumping on the bed and then we ended up having sex for the first time. And I mean, I was like, I literally remember... I think it was like a classic rock power hour going on behind us. And I was literally singing while we were having sex, like just, just fucking jamming, you know, just being an absolute fucking goofball. The first time I sleep with this man that I love because there was just this level of comfort. I mean, we were just acting like total idiots, jumping around and being complete goofballs. But then also there was this electric passion and and intimacy, right? And I literally never wanted that Sunday to end. And it will forever be one of my favorite days on this planet. It was just one of those moments. It was one of those days. After that, it was like for the first time in so long, I didn't want to have casual, meaningless sex. I had been going through men like underwear in South Korea because it's easy to do. And for the first time I was like, you know what? Like I don't need any of that shit. I mean, I would go out with the girls and I would meet guys or there would be guys that I knew and we would go out and we would meet up with them. And in the back of my mind for the first time fucking ever, I was like, you know what? I want to go. I want to go. And the man upstairs knows that I'm out right now. And he just never like, he was just always so... He always just let me be free. He never tried to to keep me small or tried to keep me from talking to other people or whatever. Like he just, I felt like there was this security in our relationship of we just knew what we were to each other. And so, but I still, you know, I would go out and I'd be like, I want to go home. I want to go climb in to the penthouse bed. And part of that was just like, I wanted him to know that I was there. I wasn't going home with anyone else. I didn't want to. I wanted to be there next to him. From there for for months, we had this kind of push and pull. And when we were together, I knew for sure that we were on the same page. I could tell by the way he touched me. Physical touch became a love language of mine with him because I could feel everything in his touch. Physical touch in the past has made me uncomfortable. It was never really my number one love language. But with him, it was as if, because we are both kind of avoidant and we never really talked about what was happening or how we were feeling, but all of those emotions just came out. They erupted in the way that he touched me and received my touch. But at the same time, I, for months, I just didn't know what he was thinking. Or where he was at with what was happening. And that frustrated the shit out of me. And I complained (laughs) to my journal, to my friends about how closed off he was. But obviously in hindsight, I realized now that I never really let him in on where I was at either. During this time, there were these months from like December to like March where I was just writing so much poetry. I was writing him letters. I was furiously writing and getting my thoughts onto paper because my feelings were just so overwhelming and this consumed my mind. I couldn't stop. I would literally 
be teaching. And when my children had assignments, I would be just writing on the back of their coloring sheets. And I've actually glued a lot of these sheets into the journal that I have. But I never read these to him. I never read them to him. I never, at this time, I never even let him in on how, just how deeply I was falling for him. Um, one of the poems, I'm going to read it. <laughs> I don't know if you call it a poem. It's just whatever it is, you know. It's from the heart. So this was, I, there's not even a date, but it was between December and probably February in those first couple of months. They ask whether I'm in love with you. And I can't answer because simply being with you is all I know. But if love is missing you before I even leave, if love is unhesitatingly covering wrongs and grace, if it's noticing all the small things like the shifts in your mood or changes of your tone or the differences in your smiles, if love is conversing with you when you're not even there, if it's no longer being able to accept meaningless anything from anyone else, if it's trusting so fully in the way you hold my heart despite the times it's hurt, if it's the ability to call each other out purely from a place of care and understanding, if love is being obsessed with even the parts of you that drive me mad, if love is a burning desire to be the best I possibly can for you, if it's being intimate with my best friend I've ever had, if love is knowing each other so authentically, so fully, and still being left in awe at all there is to explore and discover, if that is love, then yes. I didn't know as I was falling in love with you. It was more of a float amongst the clouds. It happened in its own time, slowly, and then all at once. When they ask now, I'll know what to say, that yes, to be in love with you is as natural and unavoidable as breathing air. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> I, I was falling so head over heels in love with the man upstairs, and I had not felt anything like it. I had not felt the amount of feelings that poured out of me since I, the only other time I'd ever written like this was when I was in China, <laughs> severely depressed and miserable, and, and I was so frustrated that he wouldn't share with me where, how he felt, and yet I never let him in on any of this. I actually wrote, there's another quote from another one of the letters that says, If all my unsent letters to you were gathered, they could become a novel of the unspoken words that broke my heart. <laughs> Damn, bitch. <laughs> when I read back at this shit, I'm just like, fuck, man. It really was so fucking beautiful, you know? And the mystery of it. The mystery of falling in love and not really knowing what's happening. It was exhilarating. But ultimately, this mystery, I mean, it kind of existed because we were. We were both avoidant. We're both the type that, that kind of push away. And that kind of lack of communication in the beginning made for this insanely beautiful and fun roller coaster. But ultimately, I think it's, it's what hurt us most in the end. And I have blamed him for not being open with me, for not going deep with me for being so guarded. And it took me a long fucking time to realize that he did actually let me in. For what was available for him to let me in on, he did. 
he opened himself up to me in the ways that he could. But I never really let him in on, on my darkness or on the depths of my love for him, especially there in the beginning, especially just like how much it meant to me, how much it still means to me. You know, we had so much fun together, more fun than I'd had with anyone I had dated. So much fun. And I guess there was a part of me that was afraid of going too deep or being too serious or I didn't want to be too much. And I look back on my journals and I complained about not feeling loved. I complained about, you know, as as the relationship moved on, I, I complained about how much he was on his phone or how, how much it upset me that he'd text people back first thing in the morning before kissing me. I complained about him not kissing me first and last thing. I mean, that's a thing I actually complained about. And it's not that I think it's unreasonable. I don't, right? It's just, it's a complaint that I was making. And never once did I stop to think, okay, the desire here is to feel loved by him as soon as I open my eyes, as soon as we open my eyes. And before we go to bed, that's what I really wanted. I wanted that attention. And I don't think I ever really expressed that to him. Instead, I just kind of complained about it and, you know, made up narratives in my mind that he, that I wasn't important or that he didn't care and slowly kind of pushed away. And then came June when I left Korea because I didn't want to teach anymore. I wanted to go to Bali. I had that dream. I didn't feel like I was done exploring the world on my own. I did not want to do long distance. I said that I would never do it again. But I did also, like, I did not want the relationship to end. I didn't want to not have him. And in my mind at the time, it was so black and white. It was like, now that you've entered into this space, it's either full-blown relationship or, or not, or not nothing at all. And it was, it was very black and white to me at the time. I never expressed really my fears, my true fears about long distance or what difficulties that I had faced in the past or parts of me that I feel like will struggle with this. You know, because when I when I get somewhere new, I've traveled enough to know that I can be fucking balls deep in a place, relationships, experiences, and it hurts me to leave them, but when I leave and when I go to a new new place, I throw myself into that new place the new experiences, the new relationships. And that in the past has ultimately fucked me up when it's come to long distance relationships because I'm like, I can't, I don't have the, I, I don't have the desire to do both, right? I, I don't have the desire to try to be in this relationship that's not in my current present, that it's not in my current reality, that doesn't know what's going on in my day to day, who's not involved in my community. And then I end up forming relationships and intimate connections that sometimes do lead to a desire to be physical. And this is something that I have struggled with and it has been very black and white for me for a while. And now I'm just learning these days to kind of embrace the gray even within that. You know, when I was in Bali, it it was beautiful. I was following my passion. I was immersed in this yogi community. I was learning so much about myself I was coming to terms with parts of my identity that I had struggled with for a long time. And I just felt that he couldn't understand. But I also didn't really give him the chance. I never understood or even opened up 
to him about how confused I was, that I loved him so much. But when presented with an intimate connection there in Bali with someone who knew my life there, I acted on it and I wrote about it. I wrote about the struggles that came with that, that I never, never looked for. I was doing my own thing there. I wasn't actively seeking it out. I just, and that's not the point here. The point, the point is not that it happened. The point is I wasn't honest. I didn't understand how I could love someone so much, but also have this wild woman inside of me who wants to meet new people and who wants new experiences and who wants to be on my own out in the world and adventuring and have intimate moments that were outside the boundaries I believed at the time were so firmly on our relationship. And this is all shit that I am still learning how to reconcile these, these conflicting desires. It's sticky. But what I have learned is that it obviously begins with truth. You know, the, the common message in monogamous relationships is to not act on your desires, to stifle them, to ignore them, and to just kind of go forth and see what happens. Or that all of your sexual desires should only exist for one person. I think this obviously is what leads to a lot of shame and a lot of outburst in behavior because these desires, we just kind of, we do, we keep them down and we just say, just don't cheat. Just don't do it. Just don't act on it. But the thing is, is I, I didn't want to stifle my desires. I didn't want to ignore them. I, I wanted to be in that moment. I wanted to experience what I was experiencing there. And that's, that's the truth. And I guess the philosophical question here is, you know, do we need to act on all of our desires? The answer is probably, probably not. I mean, there is this concept of desire little d and desire big D. <laughs> Sometimes we just need that big D. <laughs> Oh my God, bad joke. Sorry. Um, but there is, you know, there's the, the pleasure capital P, the, the moments right now that are going to make for a more pleasure capital P and that are going to fulfill more desires capital D. But sometimes just being able to talk about those desires that we have as humans naturally with our partners definitely learned recently that a lot of the times, if you just talk about it and you're just honest, it kind of relieves a lot of the tension. It can also like bring you closer. But at the time, I didn't know that. I don't know how he he would have responded to that conversation anyways, but regardless, it doesn't matter because I never chose to have it. And I didn't want to stifle my desires, but I also didn't want to lose him. And so I lied. And I tried to have everything. All I knew is that I loved him so much. And I wanted him in every part of my life in every way. I wanted to meet his family. I wanted to go to his cousin's wedding in March. I didn't want to lose him. I, I didn't want to lose our friendship. I loved what we had before and what we had built. And I loved everything about our relationship. And I just didn't want to fuck it up. And I guess this is, I guess this is why they say never date your best friend, right? You don't want to fuck up the relationship. But in the same sense, I look back at my journal and I wrote, I wrote so much about this is exactly why you get with your best friend. This connection, this fun. This is exactly why you, you're supposed to marry or be with your best friend, whatever. But I was eventually, I was honest with myself. 
never with him though. And I ended the relationship. We remained friends. We talked often. We stayed connected. So much so that I sent him the first episode of Thy Queendom Come before it was released because I wanted his thoughts. I really value his thoughts and opinions. And I didn't even consider what he would hear, but I dropped my fucking phone when he sent me a voice message and I realized what I had fucking done. He took notes and he sent me a voice note. And in the episode, I talk about an intimate and eventually sexual experience I had with someone in Bali named the flower child who I named the flower child. And the man upstairs was giving thoughtful notes about this episode and then kind of casually noted that he'd put two and two together saying, you know, oh, wasn't that, (laughs) oh, the flower child. Yeah. Bali. Wasn't that when we were together? Awesome. Yeah. And then you lied about it. Great. Yeah. I dropped my fucking phone because not only did I do what I did, but then I also did lie about it at one point when I went to visit him in Korea, after I had been in Bali, you know, he asked me, had I been with anybody else? And I said, no, I fucking flat out lied in his kitchen and said no. And so now I'd accidentally fucking spilled my truth to him and the fucking world in the most insensitive and honestly cowardly way. I avoided the rest of the voice note that he sent. To be honest, I still haven't listened to it. And I did not message him back for about a month and a half. Yeah. Because I am fucking avoidant and, uh, yeah, (laughs) because I'm avoidant as fuck and I was a chicken shit. And honestly, I thought in my head during that time how I could spin the story. I thought about how I could lie to protect myself once again. And it wasn't until I was recording my episode titled Oh Monogamy when I went on the mic stating how how I want to be better. I want to do better. I want to be honest. I want to have relationships that are based on truth. And if they have to shift based on whatever that truth is, that that's what they have to do. And I realized that I could not simultaneously say this shit and not own up to what I'd done and own up to where I've been wrong. And so I sent him a text to which I got no response. I didn't really expect one. Plus, honestly, now even looking back, like a text is still pretty fucking shitty. Should have done better there. Um, But I sent him a happy birthday text about a month and a half later, no response. And meanwhile, during this time, my best girlfriend in Korea my fucking soul sister, literally. She came to Bali to visit me. We have matching tattoos. My fucking sunshine. All of a sudden, like, she kind of just cut me out. And it fucking hurt. And I couldn't really figure out why. I mean, to be honest, she knew that I cheated. And so I wasn't exactly sure why all of a sudden she kind of cut me out. Except for maybe just realizing what a piece of shit I am and deciding to cut the toxic shit from her life, which I understand, or also just, you know, the thought of the audacity of 
me coming on here and talking about love and sex and relationships and, and shit as if I know fucking anything, as if I've ever done anything fucking right. So I just kind of thought that those were the reasons that she kind of cut me out. But a couple weeks ago, I got a voice note from the man upstairs. And a part of me, I don't know if it's because I do know him so well or because I was like manifesting this into existence, but a part of me knew that at some point he was going to be walking home, maybe a little tipsy, and he would maybe send me a voice note or FaceTime. Probably more likely a, a voice note. And he did. He said, you know, Lauren, you came up in conversation tonight and fuck, man, you're such a piece of shit. (laughs) He said, I love this woman so much, but fuck, you're a piece of shit. And I have never been so happy to be called a piece of shit, guys. I relished in that. In that moment, it was as if (laughs) the heaven gates had opened and goddess herself told me (laughs) that I was loved. I don't know. I sent him a voice note back. I asked, you know, I asked him to call me a shithead more often. Um, And then that was kind of it. And then about a week or so later, I got a random fucking voice note from him asking me where I got my eyes LASIKed in Korea, which if you do need to get your eyes LASIKed, that's the place to go. And I responded And I was like, you know, this answer is free, but I accept donations of more voice notes or, you know, even a call maybe. And he responded and was kind of laughing. I could tell he was tipsy. So I just decided to bite the bullet and fucking call him. And so I FaceTimed him and I was driving. And funny, like the Polaroid that we took when he actually visited me in California was is still like in my dashboard so it's still there every time I get in my fucking car and so now I'm facetiming him and he can see me but it's dark and he won't turn the fucking light on because I don't deserve to see him (laughs) fair enough and I can't tell you how good it fucking felt to just even though it was uncomfortable and it sucked to just be on the line with him again and to be we were kind of laughing but there was also anger and there was also hurt He eventually, you know, he told me the two things that hurt him the most. And here I've been racking my brain for months, wondering which part of my fuckery was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Or was it just all of it, which is kind of what I believed. But, you know, I never stopped to think in this whole thing how my shitty decisions and how my lies and my actions affected the relationships between the people who were in our very tight friend group. Everyone was friends. And obviously, when poisonous lies are introduced, like they just don't, they don't just affect me or him. That poison fucking spills out and affects a lot of people. They spill out and create toxins, literally toxins within the relationships all fucking around. So there was a guy in the friend group who had told the man upstairs that I'd cheated. I don't know if he found out, was told, or if he was just making an assumption based on who he knew me to be. But either way, he was right. The man upstairs and my girlfriend, T-Pain, they defended me against this guy. And I hated him. 
I painted him as a bad guy. I painted him as manipulative. But that obviously caused tension within the relationships between the three of them. For over a year, the man upstairs and this guy in the Frank group had kind of like a falling out because there was this tension of, of why the fuck would you say that? Why would you bring this drama? And then, of course, when the truth actually came out, that put my girlfriend in a really fucking shitty spot because she had defended me. So from the other side of the fucking world, 6,000 miles away, over a year later, the effects of the hurricane that is me, my shitty decisions and lies are still being felt and shit's still being rebuilt. Like with those relationships, there's still trust being rebuilt. So that was the first thing, obviously. And now it's like, oh, well now, duh, fucking duh. I'm so selfish over here thinking that, you know, they just think I'm a piece of shit and they don't want to associate with me. But really, I mean, I caused waves within their relationships that have nothing to do with me. And that fucking sucks. And for that, I am so deeply, like, deeply regretful and sorry. I mean, if there is, if there's anything that makes me a piece of shit, it's that. It's not being honest and it's allowing my friends to defend my bullshit and get wrapped up in it. And the other thing that really hurt him was when we were ending things, you know, I kept telling him that when I broke up with him that it was going to make him stronger, that, you know, he'd be better off. But he, he had no idea why I was ending it. You know, I was, I had all these reasons and I never let him in on it. I never was honest. And I kind of just ended the relationship and left him with this fucking bag of bullshit saying that he'd be better off, that he's going to be stronger. But, you know, fuck, <laughs> it was always me. It was always me that needed to do better, that needed to be better. He did open himself to me. And it took me a fucking long time to realize that. He opened his heart to me. He trusted me. He loved me. And the ways I didn't feel loved by him are simply because I never asked. I wanted his feelings, but I never shared mine. I wanted to feel seen and heard by him, but I hid and never spoke. And had I been honest, maybe yes, the relationship as it was would have been over, but maybe we could have shifted. I mean, we did shift until the lies were introduced. We, we knew how valuable the relationship was. I was naive and in my black and white thinking to think that I couldn't be honest about who I was. And sure, it would have hurt. It still would have hurt. There would have been pain. There would have been shit to deal with. But at least I would have been honest. And I believe that we could have actually shifted. You know, lies are fucking poison, especially the ones that we begin to believe ourselves. These lies that just become so normal, you know, I, I honestly, it wasn't a conscious thing of painting this other guy in the friend group as a bad guy. It wasn't, it wasn't like me saying like, oh, he's exposing me. He's a shithead. No, like I actually believed that he was a piece of shit. I believed he was manipulative. He shouldn't have gotten into my relationship, which is kind of true. Like, but at the same time, I told my brother that, and my brother was like, uh, no, he was being a good friend. <laughs> So, but I did, I had this painted picture of him and it wasn't until I talked to the man upstairs the other day and he's telling me, you know, that he's actually one of the nicest guys he's ever met and they are still rebuilding their relationship and building trust based on the fucking hurricane that I created, essentially. When I look back on it, I'm like, dude, he knew I was a piece of shit. He knew I was a piece of shit from other uh, 
disasters I had created in Korea. But you know, this relationship and it, its ending, it was really the beginning of me truly evaluating the truths inside of me. But even still, I labeled them all as good and bad. And I was obviously ashamed, which is why I was never honest. And you know, obviously in the last year throughout this whole process as well as eventually I realized it's not the desire to experience new people and connections or it's not I who I am or what I want is not the problem. None of those things are the problem. The problem is committing to something that deep down I knew was not for me. And the problem was not being honest about it. It was living in a reality that was built on bullshit lies. And I don't want to be a liar. I never have. Being open and authentic is something that I have worked at and is something that I am proud of myself for. I would rather be a cheater, a slut, a bitch, anything. I would rather be anything but a fucking liar. And I have always felt that way. So it's like, why? Why did I do it? And I kind of have realized that being labeled a cheater was not what I was afraid of then. That's not why I lied. I wasn't honest because I was fucking terrified that the truth would mean the end. But it was the lie that actually ended up costing me fucking everything. My best friend, a sister, all of these beautiful memories in Korea that hurt to think about or the ability to even look at the photos because it fucking feels like daggers in my heart. Because the truth, the truth will always find its fucking way somehow and it is always worse when it arrives on its own versus from my own lips i've lost two of my very best friends two of the most important relationships in my life for one i was toxic i wrapped her up into my lies and it affected her other relationships i understand why she needed to cut me out at least for now i sincerely believe that our relationship is not over and I hang on to hope that one day we will be connected again. And as for the other relationship, though I know he loves me deeply, I could feel it even in the conversation we had the other day on the phone. I know he loves me deeply, but how could you be in any type of relationship with someone who's lied and been so reckless? How can he believe anything that comes out of my mouth? How could he ever look at me or talk to me without remembering the ways I disrespected the relationship, how I disrespected him and how I didn't honor him enough to give him the truth. How I could hurt and lie to him. And the answer to that is I, I don't know. I don't know how you come back from that. I was who I was back then and I did what I did. All I can do now is be honest, own my mistakes and be less of a piece of shit. <laughs> Truthfully. You know, again, when I... When I started this podcast, it was about learning and exploring myself and overcoming and overcoming this fear of showing the world my heart. But I've realized quickly that a big part of this journey has been simply speaking the truths I kept buried. It's forcing me to be better, to live the way I want to, to own up to my shit, to learn about and embrace my shadows, to do the fucking work and to be gracious and tender with myself along the way. Actually, I, I don't know if anybody fucks with CoStar, but it's a great app. You should look at it. 
Um, as I was writing about this yesterday and just kind of processing through my feelings, I eventually looked at my co-star and something that it said was, the broader focus of your life during this time is to manage intense emotions and thoughts. You can look back at all the people you have been with either judgment or tenderness. One results in self-hatred, the other leads to change. And that fucking hit me because it's hard. It's honestly really hard to look back at the person that I have been. But at the same time, I can't live in that. I can't hate her forever. I can't beat my current self up about it. I just have to look at her and learn from her and then be grateful that I've made the decision to be better, to try and do better. You know, the man upstairs the other day, he asked me how I would feel if he did to me what I did to him. And honestly, I would have been rip shit fucking pissed. I seriously used to lay awake in Bali and worry about him cheating. <laughs> the irony. I would be, I would create narratives in my head. I even wrote down at one point that I was sure he'd been sleeping with his ex-girlfriend there. I mean, just, I was, I was insecure and I would have been so jealous. And I also didn't know at the time that there was any other way to feel when the person that you're intimate with, the person that you are in love with is intimate with someone else. And I was not prepared or ready or had the tools, I did not have the tools to investigate my own jealousy at the time. I had not yet embraced the gray. And I also, at the time, didn't know how to express or communicate my love for him or my needs because that would have put me in a vulnerable position in which I felt he could have hurt me far worse than cheating on me. In the last couple of days, I've spent a lot of time looking through my old journals and it's fucking crazy to me how often I wrote about preparing to have my heart broken. I was so prepared to be left in pieces and for him to shatter my heart. And in the end, I broke my own heart and his. And I created one fucking hell of a mess in the process. And I will always be so fucking deeply sorry. I think talk is cheap. <laughs> I even debated even saying sorry. I'm, you know, saying I've changed all this shit. Like, it's just, it's cheap, right? There's nothing. What can you say in these moments to make it better? It just, you can't. Because it happened the way it happened. But it happened when it happened too, you know? And... And maybe people don't change, but I have to believe that people grow and people can learn and people can evolve and people can become better if they are dedicated to it and given the chance. So that's what all of this shit is about for me. Tim Ferriss says about his podcast that, you know, even if this shit's a flop, even if no one listens to it, no one gives a shit. If I learn something, if I'm becoming better, then it's a success. And that is how I felt throughout this whole process. That's certainly how I'm feeling with this specific episode. It feels good to be honest. It feels good to own up to my shit. And it feels good to have hope that I am becoming the person that my future self will be extremely proud of. And I'll be able to look back on these days and say thank you. And I'll be able to feel good instead of where I'm at now, looking back on myself being like, bitch, fuck you. <laughs> so that is my hope. That is my desire. I so deeply appreciate all of you being on this journey with me. 
if anybody out there, anybody, <laughs> if anybody out there can relate to being a piece of shit, please hit your girl's DMs and make me not feel so alone. Also, if you, yeah, if you have any ideas or thoughts on how to deal with situations like this and yeah, please let me know. I would love to hear from you. So for now, major takeaways for me from today is fucking be honest, communicate, and don't be a piece of shit. So let's all do that this week. (laughs) Be honest, communicate, and don't be a piece of shit. (laughs) On that note, thank you guys so much. I will see you next week right here on Thy Queendom Motherfucking Come. Come.